0: What's up, guys? Anthony DiClemente here, and this message is brought to you by Buy Optimizers. So a few years ago, I was in a frustrating situation. After just about every meal, I would experience gas, bloating, stomach distension, constipation, even diarrhea. And this three-month gut reset protocol completely changed the game. I'd tried a ton of things. Nothing had really worked that well until I did this. So what I did was I combined... Masszymes, Bioptimizers enzyme formulation that helps to break down protein and increase your own immune system's effectiveness with their probiotic at a specific dosage of 10 capsules of Masszymes with five capsules of the P3OM probiotic taken in the morning on an empty stomach and then at night on an empty stomach. And right away, I started seeing some positive improvements. Then I added another six capsules of the Masszymes and three capsules of the P3OM probiotic before each meal meal. And a few months of that, specifically three months, nine bottles worth, my gut was almost completely fixed. Throwing a little bit of gasoline on the fire, I made sure to fast for 14 to 16 hours between dinner and my first meal the next day to increase autophagy, upregulate the immune system and help clear out some of the other viruses, bacteria, even parasites that can inhabit our, our gut. And that Made a massive difference for me, and if you're experiencing any of these symptoms, it will probably make a massive difference for you. So if you guys want to check out that gut reset protocol, it requires nine bottles of the Masszymes, nine bottles of the P3OM, and you can get it at buyoptimizers.com forward slash biohacks. We've got all the discount codes already applied and put together a nice, a, a nice way for you guys to save on the package when you go there. That's B I O P T I M. I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash biohacks, B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S, and you'll see the three-month gut reset protocol that includes nine bottles of Masszymes and nine bottles of P3OM. Take it as recommended, and you will see a huge improvement in your gut health. Check it out. This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate,
1: we buy shit we don't need. My dear, if you had
0: one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Christine Hassler, welcome to the Biohacking Secrets Show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So we have uh, similar stories. I was put on antidepressants at age 19. You were put on them at a very young age. Maybe you could give a little bit of your background or whatever you feel compelled to share uh, for our listeners.
1: Yeah. So when I was 11 years old, or probably even before 11, I don't really remember. Um, I remember the process, but I don't remember the exact age. I just... I guess I was sad and I was acting differently and I was more withdrawn than my parents had seen me before. And I just remember going to different psychiatrists. And I remember going to one that did all kinds of ink blot, you know, showed me the ink blot pictures. And I also remember getting an MRI. I don't know if you've ever had an MRI, Mm -hmm. but especially, you know, back then they were even more like coffins and they took even longer to do.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a little uh, (laughs) racket racket ball Uh, bouncing around or something.
1: So bad (laughs) because I was getting really bad headaches too, right? In my third eye, which people that don't know your third eye is your sixth chakra. It's that point between the eyebrows and it's where you're really connected to your intuition and spiritual sight. Spiritual sight, not meaning you see like angels and and spirits, but spiritual sight is being able to see beyond good, bad, right, and wrong. Being able Mm -hmm. to see beyond black and white, really seeing the oneness and the love in everything. So that was all going on. And um, you know, I had loving parents who wanted to get me out of pain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was the 80s, they didn't have a lot of tools at hand, 80s, early 90s. And it was it was really the time when if you had an issue, you went to the doctor. And traditional Western medicine was more the approach. And so all of a sudden, before I knew it, I was being told that. I was going to go on antidepressants and that I had a chemical imbalance and I had an uncle that was diabetic. So I understood diabetes. And they said, if you were diabetic, you'd take insulin. So this is just like that. You have a chemical imbalance and your, your antidepressants are like insulin. But at the same time, it felt, didn't feel good to me. And my parents say that I felt better on the antidepressants. P.S. I think, well, I know I have gluten intolerance and gluten does not affect my digestion. It affects my brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. I still today, there's a place that here in Austin called Fix. Mm -hmm. And it's the one place I will cheat with gluten because they have the best biscuits you have ever tasted in your entire life. And even my husband, who's Australian, who never really had a biscuit, he's like, is it like a scone? And I'm like, no, it's not like a scone. Just wait. And I, I will go and have a biscuit at fix, but I know the next day I'm going to be a little depressed. I'm going to be yeah. a little bit like low. I'm going to be a little lethargic because gluten for a lot of people, it, it impacts our brain. So I think that there was that going on when I was 11. I think that I was a very empathic, sensitive kid. So I think I was picking up. I think I know I was picking up on a lot of other people's emotions and my parents didn't know this, like how could they? And so they would, they just wanted to make me feel better. So antidepressants were the answer. So after that happened with that belief system of I have a chemical imbalance, I need these, I just stayed on them. And then, you know, anybody that's been on antidepressants knows that one stops working after a while. And so then you have to tweak it, and different symptoms come up. And you're always seeing a psychiatrist, and it's like becomes a lifestyle and kind of a life sentence all in one. Mm-hmm. And for me, antidepressants also kept me from the real joy, high feelings. It kept me from the super low feelings, but it also kept me from feeling really high. I don't have a lot of memories during that time when I was on them as well. And I just remember doing, 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 being an overachiever, compensating for my own insecurities about being depressed and for a lot of other reasons with achieving and with doing. And it wasn't until my twenties that I met my first life coach, Mona, who said to me, baby, you don't need to be on those drugs. And I'm like, yes, I do. I have a chemical imbalance. I need to be on these. It's like, no, you don't. You're fine. You just need to get rid of your anger. You need to learn how to feel you need to clean your diet up and we'll get you off these. And I resisted it for years. But then when I was about 28, I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to give this a go because I danced around with it for a while. I'd go off of them and it would get too bad. And I'd want to go back on them. Um, Because coming off antidepressants, especially if you've been on them for so long, and I mix anti-anxiety pills in there as well, is really challenging. It's it's, it's, it's definitely an addiction. And P.S., while I'm telling this story, I'm not anti-antidepressants. I'm pro-information and pro-let's-look-at-all-the-things-that-are-contributing and pro-let's- not like be quick to slap a medication on someone before we really unpack all the factors that are coming into it. Because often there's a more optimal fix than just a prescription. And for some people, they're really useful. But I think they're really useful for short periods of time, unless you have bipolar or something that really is a massive chemical imbalance. So whenever I tell this story, I'm careful to say, I'm not saying if you're on medication, you're bad or you're wrong or anything like that such an individual choice. But for me, I knew that, especially if I wanted to go where I was going spiritually and intuitively and health wise, antidepressants were part of that story. Mm -hmm. And so I dedicated two years to getting off of them. So I did it slowly. I was doing lots of emotional release work, lots of hitting pillows, lots of getting my anger out, because so much of depression is suppression of emotion. I didn't have a sip of alcohol. I didn't want any depressant in my body. I'd already lived a healthy lifestyle, but I amped it up. I was seeing my coach every week. I had loving support around me. I was getting my master's degree in spiritual psychology. So I was in a really beautiful um, spiritual and, and educational session. I had a setting, I had a lot of support and it was hard. It was hard. I remember taking these detox baths and I could just smell the chemicals coming out of me because I wasn't just detoxing antidepressants, I was detoxing all the over-the-counter medication I had taken from my headaches, birth control, um, anti-anxiety pills, like all of it, diet sodas, vaccines, like all of it. And by 31, after I'd been off of them for about a year, it was just like a knowing that I never was gonna need them again. Like the, that that was complete that I like unlocked whatever needed to be locked. And, you know, that was 10 years ago and I've never, you know, I have my days, I have my low days, but I've never ever, ever, once thought, Hmm, maybe I need to go on meds again.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I mean, I had tried to get off antidepressants many times. It was, it was a big motivating factor in me moving to Florida and being around more sun uh, because I'd noticed the connection where I was much more prone to depression in the winter times and seasonal affective disorder. Um, And I was off them for, from like April or May of 2019. I did my first plant medicine ceremonies. So I had to get off of them for that. And I remember feeling like there was this race car game with, for the original Nintendo, which was like my favorite Christmas present I ever got. It was oh, called super rad. Racer. Brothers, that, that well, means. yeah, with the super Mario brothers and duck hunt and everything. Like that was like the most excited I've ever been to get a present in my life. It's mm-hmm. like impossible to top, you know, but there was this racing game called rad racer. And like, you know, you'd get gas. And then a lot of times, like you'd barely make it to the finish line. Cause you'd be running out of gas and you know, you'd hope for a refill. And I felt like that in getting to this plant medicine ceremony, I was like sharing a room with my brother at, at Rhythmia in Costa Rica. And I was like, man, I really wish sometimes that life didn't feel so damn hard, you know, and the plant medicine changed everything. It was like, I'd finally in many ways felt like much more aligned. Um, but I hadn't grown enough, you know, I hadn't detoxed enough. I I wasn't aware of, of many of the the causal relationships that were contributing to the depression. So it was like every two or three months, I was like, Oh boy, I need more ayahuasca or else I'm going to crash again. You know, like it it was my new antidepressant. And, uh, you know, we had some stuff happen in, in early 2020 with all this. And, um, I, I think it was radiation related. Um, we had a, like a, anyway, like a bunch of infrastructure put up around our house. And, um, it, it, you know, I, I was like, I got to get back on them. It was like almost overnight in 2020, I felt like my brain broke yeah. and, you know, I had clients and work and all this stuff that was like piling up and I was non-functional and I ended up getting back on them and like, I'm okay saying that I'm on them right now. It's not where I want to be, uh, forever. It's right. part of, you know, uh, I, I have more work to do and there's more cause and effect relationships. And like, sure. I probably could get back off of them right now. But um, I just wanted to share that because my I've never been a big fan of antidepressants or anti-anxiety drugs. And, uh, you know, I thought I was off them forever. And sometimes yeah. you think that and sometimes you're not. And I probably will be again, but I'm just you know, sharing that to be vulnerable with our yeah. listeners that may be at different parts in their journey. And like, yeah. there's people who have no interest in identifying the cause and effect relationships and knowing what makes them feel good. And right. it can be confusing. You know, is it gluten? Is it grains? Is it glyphosate? And we're right. blaming gluten. You know what I right. mean? And is, it could right. be different for everybody. And it's, um, it's
1: never just one thing either. And right. thank you so much yeah. for sharing that. Thank you for the honesty and vulnerability. And it's a beautiful example of what you know any antidepressant the purpose of any antidepressant is to be a cast Mm -hmm. it's like let's put the cast on this bone the bone knows how to heal the bone totally has the intelligence key to heal on its own but it needs the support it needs this cast so it can do what it naturally does it can heal and then Mm -hmm. when it's healed or you know pretty much there then we can take the cast off and then we can mm-hmm. do some physical therapy. But even when the cast comes off, the leg or the arm or whatever isn't fully functioning. You need to rehab it a little bit. And so that's what I like to think of for people that do want to go on an antidepressant or anti-anxiety. Anti-anxiety is even harder to get off. I mean, they're, just, they're so addictive, um, but it's, it's thinking of it like a cast. So the way I look at where you are, and right is you have a cast, so that whatever needs to heal their support, because sometimes it's very hard to heal when we just feel like our brain is broken mm-hmm. and we need a little bit of that chemical help to get it back on track you know for me by the time i got off antidepressants i didn't feel like my brain was broken i just felt like my body was so used to them and i felt like i was at a point in my life where getting off of them wasn't going to throw me into an even worse place and i think that's an important thing to keep in mind you got to have your plan set up and then gradually get off of them Mm -hmm. and i think that we live in a world where we understand so little we really don't know how much we're impacted by radiation emf 5g toxins other people's energy Mm -hmm. the intensity of this year has been so much for people especially empaths the Mm -hmm. fear the paranoia the anger the separation this has been a year where there's so much toxic emotion in the air, that that's contagious as well. And I know so many people this year that are feeling so depressed and so anxious and so irritable and so just blah, because yes, there's a situation of things happening, job loss, isolation, separation, violence, all of that. But there's also the energetic soup that we're all sitting in and we can feel that. We can feel that just because, I mean, we can't feel emf but we know it's there mm-hmm. same with energy like we can feel it in the air you know just last week we had a really bad snowstorm an ice storm here in texas and i, I lived in chicago like i know cold <laughs> and it was really nothing in terms of what a chicago winter is but for texas there's not the infrastructure so people were without power that water it was really really bad really awful Um, for so many people. And that week, I just didn't sleep at all because I could feel the anxiety in my community. Like it was in the soup. People were scared and freaking out and pipes were bursting and didn't have homes and couldn't get anywhere else because there was ice everywhere. So we have to also be sensitive to the fact that we're sensitive and that we're picking up stuff from the person we live with, from you know just the energetic collection. So I think we all need a Huge dose of compassion for ourselves because mm-hmm. even if this wasn't a particularly hard year for you, you're still in the energetic soup of everything that's going on.
0: For sure. For sure. I, I'm curious. You mentioned these detox baths while you were on your journey. Maybe mm-hmm. you could describe the, your, your recipe for those and what that oh, entailed.
1: You're asking me to really go way back in time here. I don't know what they were exactly. A naturopath gave them to me. I know they had benzenite clay in them. Mm-hmm. That was like the key ingredient, but I'm not sure what else was in there.
0: Nice. All right, cool. We can. But I
1: definitely know it had bentonite clay. It was very grimy.
0: Okay. <laughs> very All grimy. Right. All right, cool. Cool. We'll check it out. I do a lot of baths with like Epsom salt and baking soda and sometimes yeah. 35% uh, food grade hydrogen peroxide, but um, I'll try some with. What does
1: the hydrogen peroxide do?
0: Hi- so hydrogen peroxide works as like uh, an oxidizing agent. Similar to ozone, Uh where um, you know the chemical composition is H2O2, and it sort of dismutates in the body uh, into H2O and a single oxygen molecule. So you get this oxidation reaction that can kill infections um, and long-term boost oxygen levels in the body. It's it's an oxidative therapy. They also put in there. Usually about one cup of okay. 35% food grade hydrogen peroxide. You used okay. to be able to get like gallons of this stuff on Amazon, but they've, they've changed it down to like 12%. Mm-hmm. So if you can get like 12%, um, I'm not a huge fan of buying stuff on Amazon anymore unless we just want an Amazon ran world with like no small businesses or yeah. <laughs> innovation and stuff. But um, there's a website called the One Minute Miracle and okay. they sell food grade hydrogen peroxide and we use it, I, I've, I've used it orally. It's like literally brought my dad back to life multiple times wow. um, when his Parkinson's and other stuff was was really, really bad. And like, we've even got a, like a literal gold medalist and Stanley Cup winner that's, uh, he was he, he took it and he's like, is this legal? I feel like I'm on steroids. Like what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. and so it can be very helpful, especially if we have like inflammatory bacteria or, uh, you know, Lyme disease and things like that going on. Wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. What was the website again?
0: Uh, it's if you, if you Google search or, uh, duck, duck go, yep. uh, the one minute miracle. Cool. Thank you. And then hydrogen peroxide, it'll come up and you'll see it. And, uh, they've got, you know, like 16 ounce bottles and stuff. And um, yeah, it's great for baths. And then they have (laughs) protocols that have been around for like a hundred plus years where you start with a really small dose and you can dilute it in water and actually drink it. But anyway, I digress. (laughs) Um, You talked about two things that are really important that I mean, I'm seeing such a connection in myself and other people with like not allowing energy to move or suppressing emotions and like, you have something happen and you know what I mean? You just kind of bury it and keep plowing. Like I I had this experience in like 2016 where I like witnessed a murder in the gym at my building in downtown Chicago, like while I was with a client and we handled the situation and got out of there and saw some shit that was pretty intense. And we got back to my apartment at the time, and I, like, I was like, are you hungry? And she's like, you're about to eat right now? And I was like, yeah, it's dinner time. She's like, after what we just saw. And I've realized I bury stuff and I plow, but it doesn't mean it doesn't affect me. Like True. one of my best friends got paralyzed on a mountain in Colorado, and someone asked me the other day, like, what mountain? And I'm like, I just drew a blank. Like, I I remember so little of the event, but, um, you know, I thought these things just weren't affecting me. And I'm like, no, I just, I just have like legit emotional trauma and blocks in those areas. You know, can you talk a little bit about like the importance of moving energy, getting rid of your anger, some of the practices that have been helpful for you and like how you even identified what were the things that were affecting you? Because sometimes it's hard to tell.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, if you think of emotion, so emotion is energy in motion. And a lot of people say that thought creates emotion. I disagree. I believe thought can create certain feelings. I believe if I think about something in the future that I'm worried about that I can't control, I'm going to feel anxiety. I believe that if I think about something I'm really scared of, I'm going to feel fear. Uh, If I think about something I did that I'm ashamed of, I'm going to feel guilt. But when you witness a murder, you don't think about feeling fear. You feel fear, like it's just there. You feel shock, you feel terror. Like it, it's, it's not like you like your mind's going, oh, I just saw a murder, so now I'm gonna feel this. You're not creating the emotion. The emotion is there, it's energy in motion. Same with as, as children, you know, the things that happen are parents getting divorced, getting bullied, getting abused in any way, The mind didn't create the feeling, the emotion was there when it happened. And unfortunately for most of us, when we have a big emotion, we have to suppress it because either there's no one there to hold space for us to tell us it's safe, Um, we're in a situation where we're being violated or oppressed in some way we can't fight back. So we just have to hold everything in because that becomes a survival strategy we're told when we do express emotions to be a good boy or a good girl and stop crying and children are to be seen not heard or we're oversoothed, and we're not really taught how to deal with our own big feelings so you know we learn all this stuff in school about algebra and how to tie our shoes and just stuff that really doesn't matter i mean how to tie your shoes i guess is a useful life skill but we don't really learn how to move emotions again emotion energy in motion and what it leads to is repression, suppression, and disease. I mean, truly, I, I can track most physical ailments to some metaphysical, some emotional cause. You know, you have um, a lot of, you swallowed your words a lot as a kid, you're going to have gut issues, or you're going to have throat issues, you know, you grew up in a chaotic home where your nervous system could never react, you might have IBS. It's like the things, it's so, it becomes so obvious when you start to look into it. So that's why feeling our feelings is so important. And most people are really confused when it comes to releasing emotions. They think that if they just have a good cry or they journal a little bit, that that's, that's enough, but it's not. And neither is the little ways that it leaks out. So a lot of times people with anger, they will have leaky anger and the fact that they'll be irritable, they'll snap it, they'll snap at someone. They will honk way louder than they need to when someone cuts them off in traffic. Mm-hmm. And that's all leaky anger. And sadness, how it leaks out, is just becoming unmotivated and becoming lethargic and becoming kind of hopeless. So these, these emotions that we hold inside, they become very, very, very heavy. And they become very snappy because they're stuck, right? So they either weigh us down or they like they leak out in these ways that just um, really don't don't we're not proud of and don't get us where we want to go. So to answer your question, releasing emotion has been—I mean, it has been the thing that has changed my life more than anything. And there's a difference between releasing and recycling emotion. So most people recycle emotion. Let's say that you're, you have a good cry, but you don't necessarily feel any better. Or you, you yelled and you let some anger out and it was kind of, you went to some Tony Robbins workshop and you ah yelled and it was cathartic. You feel better for a moment because you had a release, but you know, you get back the next week and you're still laying that horn on when someone cuts you off in traffic or snapping at a waiter or your kids or something like that. It means that the emotion didn't really release. It just got recycled. So you didn't stay with it long enough for it to actually release. Or when you were feeling it, you were judging and analyzing it. Emotions can't be set free when judgment analysis is happening. So a lot of times when we're crying and we're having an emotion, we're like, when is this gonna end? What is this about? I'm so weak. I hate feeling like this. What will make it feel better? There's this whole mental dialogue of judgment analysis. And the only true way emotion releases is if we express it We express it either through, you know, yelling and hitting a pillow, not at someone. We release right, we journal, we just let the thoughts out, we let ourselves have a good cry, and we have another part of us that is in compassion, that's just holding us, saying it's okay, let it out, keep going, you're doing awesome. That replaces the voice of why is this happening? You look ugly when you cry, you're being too loud, you're weak or whatever that judgment or analyst or even it can sound like I wonder if this is about what happened in fifth grade. And it's, 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 you're not psychoanalyzing yourself either. It's just, it's okay. Let it out. And you, I call it the adult version of a temper tantrum. So I call it the temper tantrum technique. And you let yourself have a full on temper tantrum. And if you have ever watched a child have a temper tantrum, they start out really triggered. You know, maybe they're sad, maybe they're angry, but they start off really triggered and it escalates to getting really sad and really angry. And then if you just let the kid be, they kind, they just start to come down. You know, the the screaming and the crying turns into more of a whimper and they'll eventually self-soothe, rocking themselves or doing whatever they need to do, coming and getting a hug. And then they're fine. The emotion has moved through them and they're totally fine. And at some point this becomes not okay. You know, we stop being able to have temper tantrums (laughs) and we just start stuffing and stuffing and stuffing and stuffing our feelings in and have coping strategies like overeating or overworking, or this is where all addictions start. Mm -hmm. Big, big, big feelings that had no outlet. I need to find a way to suppress these feelings because they're too big for me to deal with. I'll have a drink or I'll have a joint. Wait, one joint's not working. One drink's not working. I need two. Now I need the bottle. Now I need a stronger drug. Now I need vodka. It just keeps, it just keeps escalating. Mm-hmm. Same thing with using achievements. Like, all right, let me go to a great college. That wasn't enough. Need this job, working 20, you know, 20 hours a day. That's not enough. Need to work 24. It's just it keeps going. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the right relationship or porn, like anything that we just can't get enough of. what it's doing is it's an unhealthy coping strategy because you've got all these big feelings and emotions inside of you that you haven't let out. And so your suppression devices have to get stronger and stronger and stronger and more intense so much so that sometimes it can throw us into depression because it just takes so much energy to hold everything inside that the brain and the psyche is just like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm done. I just need to switch off because the only way for me to cope with this is just to completely switch off. Mm-hmm. And so my work with people, part, a big part of my work is working on the emotional level of people. Because it's it's not that sexy of a place to work with people. Most life coaches are like, change your beliefs, do a vision board, manifest this. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, we're going to cry and hit a pillow. (laughs) And I know that's not fun. And here's the thing. I'm also not someone that thinks you need to stay in processing forever. I think people Mm -hmm. can get too stuck in processing. Mm -hmm. I haven't hit a pillow or had a good cry session in a while. But I did it for years and years and years regularly. But eventually, like I, I I, moved through it. Like I got out of it. The same triggers aren't there anymore. The same feelings aren't there. They have been released. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so this isn't something that you need to get stuck in and do for the rest of your life. Now, if I do get triggered, if something really does piss me off, you better believe I'm going to go have a temper tantrum because I don't want it to linger. I don't right. want it to sit there. But now I'm at the point where I'm just dealing with present day stuff, not still rehashing my past. So the emotional release is really a freedom technique, not to have you relive your experiences or relive your trauma, but to give yourself the freedom. Because most of us, let's say where we were abused, that's a terrible traumatic thing and, and one of the worst you didn't have at the time the freedom to yell and scream and say, stop doing this. You have no right. This is scary for me. You didn't have that freedom to express those emotions. So emotional release isn't going back and like reliving your trauma. It's going back and like letting yourself have the anger, have the sadness so that it can move up and out of you so that you start to feel empowered.
0: This episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show is brought to you by Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products. CBD standing for cannabidiol. Now we are real excited about this partnership because Veritas means truth. In Latin. And we are big believers in bringing you guys the truth, not just through this podcast, but by making sure that any products that we share or that we bring on as sponsors are products that we personally use, believe in, and endorse ourselves. And that is the case with Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products. The reason that they're so great, they are full spectrum hemp products, meaning that they have all of the beneficial phytonutrients that you get in a quality CBD product. 99% of the CBD. CBD products on the market are CBD isolate and they're just being resold meaning they're coming from a few small manufacturers. They've only got one tiny part of all of the important phytonutrients that you need to get the benefits you want from a CBD product and they're just a bunch of different companies reselling them. Veritas Farms is vertically integrated meaning they own the farm. They ensure that there are no pesticides being added. It's organic and then they control the entire process from harvesting to extraction until that product ends up at your door. That's what I love. it. It's kind of like farm to table, but for CBD and the benefits that I've noticed, my sleep is better. I feel like I get a deeper, more restful night's sleep. I'm less stressed. I never have periods of anxiety. I feel calm and focused throughout the day. And it even decreases inflammation when I have flights or other things where inflammation is an inevitable part of life. You take a little extra CBD and it can be very helpful for stress, anxiety, sleep, and that inflammation. So if you guys wanna check it out, we've arranged a 15% discount for you guys. To get that, you can go to theveritasfarms.com forward slash biohacks, I'll spell it out, dot com forward slash B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S to save 15%. Check out the Veritas Farms CBD. You guys are gonna absolutely love it. So like, let's say there's uh, a a man or a woman listening right now that kind of knows they have not honored a, a lot of their feelings and emotions and allowed them to move. And they've got some stuff, maybe abuse in their past. Like, is there a process that you recommend for setting up a safe space to allow some time to revisit some of these things? Like, how do you do it with, for someone listening that like is kind of scared to go there Mm -hmm. because they don't want to like bring something up and just turn into a disaster. Yeah. You know, like what are some of the basics that you would recommend as a starting place for getting some of these energies Mm -hmm. to move?
1: It depends on your level of trauma. Mm -hmm. If you have a very high level of trauma, lots of abuse Um, lots of, you know, just chaotic household, never felt safe. I would recommend doing it with a practitioner, like having someone there that you trust and you feel safe with. Um, that is a bit of a lifeline. I don't recommend doing really deep emotional release work unless you've done it before. If you have major, major, major trauma, like by yourself.
0: Can people do this with you? Yes. Yes. So they could go to Christinehassler.com. Uh, dot uh, com and kind of find more information on. Yeah,
1: well, I think the best thing to do, cause I don't really do a lot of one-on-one work anymore. So I do it mostly at my retreats. We do it in our inner child workshop that we teach together with my husband. And then if they go to christinehasser.com slash anger release, they get a free download. It's an excerpt from my book, Expectation Hangover, which is all about how to move through anything on the emotional, mental, physical, and behavioral level and spiritual. Um, And that has tons of processes, release writing, the temper tantrum technique. But if they just want, like, if someone's like, Ooh, I need a good anger burn and I feel confident I can do it myself. Just go to christinehaster.com slash anger burn or anger, sorry, anger release. And that's where you'll get that, that excerpt.
0: Sweet. Sweet. And you have children. Um, No, no children. Okay. Um, my apologies. I thought That's you guys, okay. I thought you guys did. We're notice. going
1: to. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, we'll, we'll pivot and we'll revisit that if we talk at some point when, when you do, I was kind of curious. Cause I've seen everything from these like co-parenting styles where people are like sleeping with their children and waking up like every 30 minutes to styles where parents are like, no, let them cry. Let them figure out how to self-soothe yeah. and they'll get a handle for it. And I sort of get the merits to both. Um, but anyway.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure yet. I think I do not know until I'm in that position.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, let's talk about some of the differences between women and men, uh, there are, no are differences? We? No, they're just <laughs> identical. Um, yeah, some of some of the differences in in our biology and and the way that we process things and like what are some important differentiating factors for us to acknowledge that help us better understand the opposite sex?
1: Oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, well, I think what's interesting to well, a good place to start is everybody is so different and everybody's the same in so many ways. We're very much the same. Men and women, or however you identify, we all wanna be loved and we all wanna be seen and we all wanna be heard. Doesn't matter what gender you are, and we all wanna feel safe. So loved, safe, seen, heard, all of that. It's it's a basic human need. And you know, I see in my nephews and I see in my friends that have girls little boys are just as sensitive. (laughs) They're just as needy. They're just as feeling based. They're just as emotional. So I think it's a myth that men aren't emotional. But the one thing about men is when an emotion comes up in a man, he wants to fix it. That's his first desire. How do I fix it? And so, so much of what is there for the masculine, and we all have masculine and feminine in us. Most men Those who identify as men have a stronger masculine energy, whereas women, stronger feminine. But again, we can, we all have all of these in us. But if we're just talking straight up Mars versus Venus, kind of male versus female type of thing, when it comes to emotions, men are that more, let me, let me fix. And women, when emotion comes up, like we sometimes can get lost in that emotion, like it can be kind of overwhelming in that emotion. And so whereas for men, it's not, let's not fix, let's just feel. For women, like let's feel this, but let's also anchor ourselves. Let's not get lost in this emotion. So when a woman is feeling, the man just needs to hold space for that. Be like, I'm here, I'm present, doesn't need to fix. <laughs> and no. when a man is feeling, the woman doesn't want to dig and pry but just encourage be that loving voice of encouragement because I think men often feel a lot of shame when it comes to feeling because we still live in a world where men are conditioned to be strong and to not feel. So I think that's, that's a big difference too. Um, Men also have more of a, a focused awareness, more of that linear awareness. Like it's amazing to me how, my husband can be focused on something and he will com- be completely oblivious to something else that's happening. Even though he denies it, I see it all the time. Whereas I can like be aware of a million different things happening at once. And that's very mm-hmm. different than multitasking. Alison Armstrong, who's a great teacher of masculine and feminine dynamics, calls it diffuse awareness. Men have that mm-hmm. super focused awareness and women have that more diffuse awareness. And, and also like, when it comes to intimacy and sexuality and sensuality, women, you know, so need to feel safe. They really need to feel safe. And, you know, women, I think try to convince themselves that, you know, they don't need an emotional connection to have good sex and it can just be physical. But I would say 99% of women, we have sex with our bodies and our hearts. And mm-hmm. if the heart and the emotional connection isn't in there, Um, it's not as good and we don't feel as safe, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think for men, they really need to feel wanted and they really need to feel confident. You know, with all the men I've coached over the years, I'm so lucky that so much, so many of them have opened up to me and their men have so much pressure. I mean, both, all people have pressure to perform, but men, especially so much pressure to do it right, to perform. And so it can become kind of structural and mechanical for men. I think the learning opportunity for men is to really learn how to be sensual. For women, it's Mm -hmm. to really open up and relax and receive and know that it is our receptivity that is the turn on. And for men, it's it's knowing how to give, but also not from a robotic performance standpoint, Mm -hmm. but from being in tune, being sensual, being able to, to listen and feel the signals of your partner. And I think a lot gets kind of lost in the language of sex because so many insecurities come up, and so many, you know, women think we're supposed to be porn stars and men think they're supposed to be like energized bunnies. And it, it's just like there's so much communication breakdown. And I'm also amazed at how many people get like physically naked with each other, but not emotionally intimate and vulnerable. Like, if you're mm-hmm. gonna get physically naked with someone and get that close physically, you better be able to get intimately close in terms of your deepest fears and your insecurities and like really let someone in your heart, you mm-hmm. know, because if you let someone in your heart first, the sex is going to be a lot better as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think about a movie that I, I really enjoy is the sh- Stanley Kubrick's The Shining Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's the, the role that Jack Nicholson plays in that, like, he's so convincing as a psycho. And like, as the movie's going on, you see him kind of becoming more and more closed off and like his descent into madness. And there's this scene where his wife comes up to him and she's like, she's sensing it and she's uncomfortable. And she's just trying to talk with him and like, you know, form a connection and express herself. And she's like, looks like there's, you know, a snowstorm coming in. And he's sitting there and he's listening, you know, kind of just waiting for her to quit talking. And he's like, what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> and She's like, nothing, you know, and it's like a perfect example of that. He's like trying to fix it. And, and, and she's just like trying to talk with her husband because they're in the middle of nowhere and he's going insane, you know? And it's like, I think it is, if, if, if you can make it your intention to allow the woman in your life to express herself, to feel heard, to move that energy in her and to like reestablish some form of connection with with you without you trying to fix anything.
1: Right. Rarely
0: is like are they coming because they want you to fix something. Correct. You know, that's like much lower on the list than we even recognize. Um for a guy listening who knows he's not that sensual or that in tune, what are what are some ways that, you know, aside from having the intention to be more sensual and more in tune, what are some practices that he can uh, incorporate or routines, meditation, what that that might help? I
1: I would say something in the body, like start with yoga, start Mm -hmm. with something physical, start with something that's not the gym. That's not lifting weights. That's not super linear. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though yoga can, I mean, Certain yoga styles are more athletic based, um, Mm -hmm. but I would do more flow yoga and more yoga that's based on just movement and breath. I think breath work is another great way for men to connect more to their sensuality Mm -hmm. and start reading about it, you know. Uh, Even books on Tantra, everybody thinks Tantra is like having sex in crazy positions. And really it's not. Tantra is about moving sexual energy, just moving energy. And we all have that Kundalini energy that runs from the base of our spine all the way up to the crown of our head. And when our sexual energy is stagnant, that Kundalini energy can't run. And I think where you know why a lot of people are sick and depressed and stagnant is they're not having good sex, either with themselves or another person, because mm-hmm. our sexual energy is our creative center. It's all our second chakra. Mm-hmm. So it's all that that area where in our hips and our pelvis and our reproductive center. And that's also tied to like money, creativity, relationships, all that. So if that's dormant and not really expressed and not really fulfilled, we're going to feel just a little ugh in life mm-hmm. and we're going to be just all in our head and it's going to be kind of exhausting. Mm-hmm. And whereas sexual energy, it, it, um, it also can unleash emotional energy because we store so much emotion in our sexual centers too. I'll tell a very quick, intimate, vulnerable story. So, my husband and I have a pretty intense connection. We got married three months after meeting. Um, We had a two month relationship over WhatsApp because we were introduced when he was in Australia and I was in the US. So before we even met, actually three months, we were talking on WhatsApp and getting to know each other, had no physical connection. And then after three months of that, we met in Greece and just were like, it was like on right away. And I remember about a week after we were together, we were having sex and something unleashed in me where I just started bawling just started crying and letting out so much. I didn't even know what it was, but it was probably just unresolved old stuff. All the times I slept with someone when I didn't want to, or not great sexual experience abuse I went through and just being in that safe container with someone who I felt safe with and having that sexual energy, have the opportunity to open up and be met with such love and such compassion and having that emotional release. It was the best emotional release I've probably ever had in my entire life. And that's where like sexual healing and sacred union sacred sexuality can also become another really important component of healing the body. I mean, so often we talk about emotional release and biohacking and what's your diet toxins but where is sex in the conversation (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. where is having a really healthy sex life in the conversation i think we've got so much wrapped up in that that sometimes we leave that off the table
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and i think there's a lot of baggage around organized religion and sexuality too and it can be challenging to to navigate that you know like differentiating what what is is truly important guidelines in that area versus like maybe something that isn't in a sacred text and, you know, serves a different purpose or, or, or an agenda. And, um, we had a, had a great conversation with your husband on episode 196, uh, sexual polarity and the psychology of humanity. For those of, uh, our listeners who want to check out that episode with, uh, Stephanos, um, is there a book or resource that has had a big impact on your life, uh, in the, in the field of Tantra or sacred union or sacred sexuality?
1: No, it's been all through my own exploration.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, let's chat about healthy routines and, um, you know, the role they play in, in us having a healthy and fulfilling life. And, you know, you, you've got some that, uh, have kind of earned their position and a permanent spot in your routine. Maybe you could talk a little bit more on some of those.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not, I don't think routines matter as much as um, being aware of like what feeling state we're in on a day to day basis. So if routines help people get into a different feeling state, if doing a meditation in the morning helps you get into gratitude and helps you get into presence. Great um if just waking up every morning and having a different dynamic every day keeps you in that then that's great too it's like what are the things that support you in generating the feeling and the energetic that you want to feel so i used to be really strict with routines until i realized that it felt like i was being really strict with routines and then i was like what are the things that really make a difference okay not watching tv before bed having like a half an hour to read going to bed at a certain time, eating in a way that feels good, having like my acupuncture and things like that, doing some meditation, but also like really going with the flow, like, all right, like what does my body feel like it needs today? I don't feel like it needs to sit and meditate. I feel like it needs to go for a walk or it needs to call a friend or it needs to like draw an Oracle card or it needs to actually, I feel really jazzed to just get up and work today. Hmm. So it's that I think it's, it's, it's more important to look at the bad habits Mm -hmm. It is to be so stringent on routines because that can just reinforce a very restrictive kind of way and can make the inner child and the playful, intuitive, creative, free, spontaneous part of us feel a little constricted. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more important to look at, all right, like how, how late am I looking at my phone? How often am I going for potato chips or ice cream when I'm not feeling great? How long am I scrolling on my phone? You know, it's, it's those kinds of things and putting um, practices in place that pull us out of those.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Um, maybe you could share a little bit about your over it and on with it podcast and some of the cool things you're working on for our listeners yeah. that want to stay up to date with uh, your work.
1: Thank you. So, my podcast is one of my most favorite things that I do. I started it in 2015 or 16. And it's, I, I air unscripted, unedited, unproduced, know nothing about the caller before I get on with them coaching sessions. So, you get to hear me doing coaching, a little bit of psychology. And then after the show, I break down the session. Um, those are the numbered episodes. I also do little interviews now and then. Uh, every Saturday, I do an interview. But the number of episodes that have a title like, you know, how to get over anxiety or how to get out of your relationship rut with Kathy or Joe or whoever, those are the life coaching ones. So if people are digging this conversation and, and also what's really great about listening to someone else get coached or get therapy is your own defenses are down when it's not about you. And often, I mean, I have reviews and people just contact me all the time that are like, I don't even go to therapy anymore. I just listen to this show because I get so much insight and so much information. Even when I think the call doesn't pertain to me, I learn so much. And I wanted to do this because, you know, I, as a student myself, when I would go to workshops or grad school or anything, I would learn so much from other people sharing because I could see myself and everyone, even if the, ident- the exact story didn't resonate, it would, there was always a connection. So that's, it's a great resource.
0: I love it. I love it. So guys, check out the over it and on with it podcast. If you've been enjoying this conversation, you can go to christinehasler.com with two S's and Christine, anything else that you want to share with our listeners uh, as we land this plane?
1: I would just say, be gentle with yourself. This has been an intense year for a lot of us and we tend to be hard on ourselves when we're having a tough time and no one has ever pulled themselves out of a rut by being a shithead to themselves. Mm-hmm. And most of us are really bad at compassion. So yeah. look at how you talk to yourself, be gentle with yourself, know that you can still create change in your life and you can actually create lasting transformation with kindness to self. It actually works much better than having your inner critic run the show. So just be gentle, be patient, be kind and compassionate with yourself. It's
0: great advice. Thank you, Christine, for sharing your time and wisdom. I've appreciated our conversation and yeah, it was great. Thank you.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: What's up guys, Anthony here. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the biohacking secrets show. One of my favorite things to do is helping men and women like you feel what it's like with the body you've always wanted and all day energy that starts the moment you wake up and doesn't quit. Over the past decade, we've created a proprietary health assessment that helps me to identify the unique toxicities and deficiencies that may be holding you back from the life that you deserve. And what we've discovered in doing this with now thousands of CEOs, executives, professional athletes, businessmen, Hollywood celebrities and entrepreneurs is that there's always room for improvement and optimization. Whether you're already performing at a high level or you have that feeling inside your heart that you're capable of more, the single fastest way to unlock your potential is to upgrade your mind and your body. And there's no program on earth that does that faster or to a greater magnitude than our one-on-one consulting program at www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. We start with our proprietary health assessment that screens you for vitamin deficiencies like A, D, magnesium, iron, etc., high cholesterol and heart disease, high blood pressure, digestive disorders, hidden infections like Lyme, Epstein-Barr, parasites, SIBO, Candida, and more that can just drain your energy in the background, especially if you don't know about them. Anxiety, depression, and cognitive disorders, autoimmune disease, adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, mold toxicity, heavy metals, environmental toxins, and other genetic risk factors like MTHFR, APOE status, your glutathione production, and many more. We even recommend the specific tests that I use with my one-on-one clients if they're relevant for you in figuring out your biological age and identifying those key areas and opportunities that can take your life to the next level. From there, we create a customized game plan along with a personalized supplement protocol to help you optimize your weight and energy at the cellular level. And for our platinum clients, we even include a personalized workshop with me in Delray Beach, Florida. Most of the year, this program is full with a waiting list, but we just had a couple spots open up and I wanted to offer them to the listeners of the Biohacking Secrets show first. So if you're interested in seeing what it might look like for us to work together, head over to www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. That's www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching and fill out the short application form. If you're pre-approved, you'll be given the opportunity to book a time to connect with someone on our team and see if it's a fit. Thank you so much for being a part of this community and I look forward to potentially going on this journey together.